You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Man. Slash 50. Yeah. It feels it feels like feels like we started the show so recently. It's hard to think. I mean, I mean, yes. So we're we're here on episode 50. It is almost a full year. We've put one out every single week. Oh, that's true. Uh, 52 since, weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Coming up. Um, I feel like that is probably a more important metric if you're looking at sort of the longevity of podcasts. I think it's also important that um, we have not pod faded, as the term goes, where <laughs> you just sort of like stop posting and the podcast goes away and it's marked as inactive on iTunes. So I'm glad we're still active. Oh, yeah. Um, very. We've, we've posted every Wednesday and uh, except that one time, except that one time. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here. We're here for episode 50. It's very exciting. It's the big five. Oh, now out of all those shows so far, I sent you a list of everything. Anything stand out? Any of the shows that you, you know, any any show or any beer that we've had stand out in your memory is just something that just you really fully remember and kind of hold dearly? Uh, probably those first ones. Hold dearly, I think, is a difference. I don't know. I, I, I liked sort of like trying to think in those first few episodes, like... Okay, try not to make it a New England style IPA. So, like, what <laughs> what can we do? That, that was is, right when it was getting hot too. Yes, uh, I think episode five, Umami Monster, was probably the one for me that I had in my fridge for a year prior. You know, previous to that uh, that episode going out, and I really wanted to share it. It was a twenty two ounce bomber of a beer brewed with Bonito flakes and uh katsuboshi and it just was it it wasn't as umami as i expected it to be it was a little smoky um you could go back and listen to that one podcast.untap.com slash five and i i think we were still kind of like hitting our stride but that was the one that made me feel like okay we can try some wild beers and you know it, find some stuff that Maybe folks have never heard of, you know, it's not it's not from the States. It's from another country. And I think that was one of the first times that we had done that as well. So, you know, trying to like branch out, that was one that's that's kind of stuck with me for a little while. What about you? Um, I, I'd say in terms of episodes, uh, I would say that the GABF um, not the the live episode was a lot of fun and I had a really good time doing that. But going out on the floor and um, interviewing the brewers on the floor at GABF, that stands out. That was just that was wild because I, I don't think either of us had ever really done that sort of like a gorilla interview style before. Yeah. And we're just like running around like, <laughs> OK, can we hear everything? Is the audio good, Kyle? You've got your backpack with like the mics and everything. And we're just running around asking questions on yep. the fly. That was a lot of fun. Can we talk briefly about this? We had sort of a run for a little while where uh, we were doing some wild stuff with beers. We Episode 38, we made homemade micheladas. Oh, boy. I, I, I think that was sort of... We didn't get a whole lot of feedback about that one, but there were people I did get tagged in a couple of check-ins where folks were having micheladas on Untapped, mm-hmm. which was, was pretty cool. There was, uh, there was Zima. There was Zima. When Zima made its comeback again. Yeah. Yep. That one is pretty popular uh, as well. Yes, that one was good. That was episode 16. So a while back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just to bounce off of the GABF thing you mentioned, being able to go out to Odell 
and record live in front of a group of people. I want to try that again this year. Like I, 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 I want to, I want to get in front of folks again. Um, and again, like talking to people who know way more about beer than I ever will is a great experience. So let's get into our beer this week. I thought in celebration of 50 episodes and just kind of remaining, what is it? Uh, pod active, active cast. What'd you say? Uh, not non pod fading. I don't know what the term would be. We're just putting out episodes. Yeah. You know? So, some celebration of our consistency and reaching 50. I thought it would be cool to dig deep into our cellar here in the office. And by cellar, I mean cardboard box sitting behind me full mm-hmm. of old beers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I stumbled across something that I thought um, was very uh, poetic here. I have Eclipse Four Roses Single Barrel. Red Wax from 5050 Brewing Company. Ah, I get it. So we could even, we could have this one for episode 102 because it's 50 and 50, you know, you add them together and then it'd be 100. But I don't, I don't, you know what? Again, we don't do math. Remember we talked about this. You've held on to this beer for long enough. So so I didn't mention this though. The date on this, 2011. (laughs) I thought it was 2013. (laughs) And then I did some digging and... I found out that this is from 2011. It's a stout, uh, double. It's a an American Imperial double stout, 9.5 ABV, and like I said, it's the red wax edition. So Eclipse or 5050 puts out a Eclipse every year, and they do a whole bunch of variants. We're talking like eight to twelve variants every year, and they all have a different color wax, and they have a little guide. So the red wax from 2011 is a Four Roses a barrel, a single barrel aged beer, um, and I I'm pretty sure I. I think I got this from John Holzer, who does our homebrew mm-hmm. epi- our homebrew segment. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got this from him when we first started Untapped and I was just getting into beer. And it seemed so fancy at the time with the wax and everything that I just I didn't want to open it. And so I've just held on to it for forever. So it, it hasn't been stored in the best conditions. So this may be a little bit of an experiment, but I'm very excited to... Um, pop this open and just see what happens. So Four Roses are, it's a bourbon manufacturer, I guess, that uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey brand owned by Kirin uh, Brewing out of Japan. I have never heard of it before, but this, I mean, it, anything bourbon barrel aged, it's going to get my vote. It's going to be an instant five five star if it tastes anywhere decent, um, just because that's, that's what's in my wheelhouse. I am incredibly excited to try it like you said kind of poetic right like 50 50 for episode 50 um and a a nice way i think to like kind of ring ring this one in now we i assume is this one of the oldest ones that is is on untapped or are there older ones of this 50 50 series or of this uh red waxed series series, eclipse series so according to the wax guide this goes back to the very first one, which was in 2007, but they only made one then. And they did three variants for 20, 2008, 2009. They did four variants for 2010 and seven variants in 2011. Okay. And it just looks like as you scroll through their wax guide here, they just, they've got a, almost a full Pantone book worth of colors. Is, is this why you said that it, it was poetic because you wanted to wax poetic? Oh, God. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, no. Okay. We're just doing this because it's a good wordplay. Okay. That's it. All right. All right. That's it. The last check into this beer was by Todd T on January 12th, 2019. So f- folks are still opening them up. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Unfortunately, we're not going to have an opening sound for that one. 
just really yeah a fi- a f- here we are thinking man 50 it's it's one of those like we could just back to back clip all of them out you know have like a super cut super cut of uh, bottle opening of, of all the bottles and cans we've opened for all 50 episodes hint hint yes please wink if you can hear me winking uh I'm really, really interested to try this. Obviously, we're going to take a quick break, and Tim's going to go take a photo of this uh, to post for Instagram and for the the uh, Drinking Socially Instagram. If you have not followed us there, please do indeed give us a follow. You can also join our Facebook group and uh, and join in talking about, uh, I guess, if you've had a wax series before, I'd love, I'd love to hear it. So as soon as you poured this, I could smell it from across the room. Oh, yeah. So it opened up, and I, I it's... It smells so boozy. Yeah. It smells like <laughs> extremely strong. I mean, it's been sitting for years now. Yeah. 20, it's, it's, this is an eight-year-old beer. Just been sitting around. Yeah. It still has carbonation. It's got a little tiny, tiny little bit on the top there. Mm-hmm. Seems like it held up. You say it's it smells boozy, but it definitely has like a complex aroma. As it's warming up, it's got a very pleasant sort of like bourbony sweetness sort of to it mm. um the it it has that barrel aged character oh for sure like yeah yep yep some some mild fruity are you getting any fruitiness off of there i feel like i get a little bit of like dark fruit honestly now that i've completely immersed myself in the smell of it i it doesn't come off as harsh as it did yeah that first initial like opening i think all of the the hairs that were once in in my nose are now just gone they have (laughs) they have completely singed and and i am unable to it's a really uh it's got like maybe some chocolate i i'm gonna just start making up words at this point because i think we need to just try this oh yes i've been holding on to this long enough Let's go for it. I mean, that is smooth. Yeah. Creamy. It definitely has. It's it's very creamy. That mouth feels very. It's almost like I would have almost thought this was like on nitro. Yeah. Uh, because of how small those bubbles are and it doesn't come off abrasive. This is f- frighteningly easy drinking as well. I wonder if the ABV has gone up over the years because it, it was 9.5. I mean, as things sit, they kind of get a little stronger and more fortified so i wonder but But either way i I get a lot of roast like a ton of roast character Mm. it does taste like biting into a sort of like 85 percent dark chocolate like a a a very dark chocolate because you get a little bit of that bitterness on the finish yeah i get a lot of i get a lot of the roasty sort of like bitter bitter chocolate um on the end up front it does have a little certain sweetness probably more like a uh like a barrel age spirit sort of sweetness. Yeah, but it's kind of also like when you have coffee ice cream where like mm. at first you get that wave of sweet and kind of milky creaminess to it. And then afterwards you get that sort of like roasty the chocolatey finish. Um, I get a lot of that with this beer, but I this is the first time I've ever had an eclipse. Same, same here, I believe. So and it's so smooth. I feel like I can't iterate that enough. Mm hmm. It's not it like it, it, that initial the initial um, aroma as soon as opening it 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 was I don't want to say it was harsh but it was definitely very strong and it felt like based off of the aroma that it was just going to be this like really harsh boozy flavor but it's coming off very smooth I am super into this wow <laughs> hey cheers to fifty man mm-hmm. 
Mm. And one less thing I have to lug around in my cellar box. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that's the thing with these these bombers, right? An Imperial Stout coming in at nine point five. I can I can barely read nine point five is at least what it was. You have to share this, right? Like this is this is either a really rough weekend for you (laughs) or it's. You know, something you bring to a bottle share or something that you you uh, open on a special occasion. Um, so I'm one. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. But two, I I am so reluctant to buy these kinds of beers these days that because I do have to. I, I do a lot of my drinking by myself at home. Doing you know <laughs> doing work, yeah. uh, recording a podcast. I can't. I just can't with these huge boozy imperial stouts anymore. Well, and that's we're gonna have to. I'm, I'm glad we're sharing it because if this was a one, like a, a one person beer, the the this things would just go downhill really quick. Well, you'd also end up with a bottle that is room temp, uh, where you you got like halfway through it. Right? Well, at least being something dark, like the room temperature, does help it evolve. It's gonna so open it up. I know it's interesting. Yeah. We've said it a lot on this show. Where like, oh, you know, we're trying it now, and it's pretty cold. I would say this is probably like a. 45 50 degree beer at the moment i am very interested in seeing how it blooms as uh as this warms up but yeah but um i again so frighteningly easy to drink crushable in the most imperial stouty kind of way Uh, yeah not a word i'd use to i think i think dangerously smooth is definitely (laughs) the way to go there was a year of the bourbon county stout i think it was a couple years ago where that was like I don't know what, 11, 12 percent. And it went down like like a slightly like it went down like chocolate milk. It was really good. Well, I I mean, you'll get these like 17, 18 percenters that are just, you know, very booze forward. And they when you smell them, they smell super sweet. But the taste is just like you're licking the inside of a barrel and (laughs) it just has it's barrel licking good. Yes. But. Um, I, I almost like, you know, the, the, the opposite of that, where you get a lot of booze on the nose and you definitely smell it. So it, it, it doesn't, you don't just go like diving into this sweet cakey goodness. You are kind of like, you're caught off guard a bit. You wait, you take a little bit in, you sip it. Mm. Um, it's a, it's a dessert beer. That's what this definitely feels like to me. It's like, yeah, nightcap. Wrap wrap up the night with with a beer like this. I get that for sure, and I I want to say big thanks to John for I'm I'm like ninety nine percent sure that this came from him. I think he was clearing <laughs> out his cellar back in the day, and he gave it to me. So if you did give this to me, uh, I really appreciate it, and I can't believe I held on to it for so long. Yeah, and as far as the um, the data nerds go, um, total of one thousand four hundred seventy two check ins. It has a four point two nine average rating uh, with one thousand twenty nine total ratings so it's pretty high on the uh, untapped rating scale yeah and i again like i was surprised at seeing how many users are actually still checking this one in it always boggles my mind when i see that yeah i feel like i feel like oh i'm the last person on earth to have it because i couldn't open it and then you see a bunch of people still having you're like oh okay well i mean this is uh, this is one of those beers that like uh, would be our milestone beers right this would this could be your 2500th this could be your your 5000th your 10000th oh yeah when you when you go that special route of trying to find something that is really 
worthy of I mean, that check-in. It's the oldest beer I've had, at least, uh, in terms of age from current date. Uh, I definitely had a beer in 2011, but at that point, it wasn't it wasn't an old beer. <laughs> I got it. I'm So I have a, I created a seller list on my profile. Yeah. I'm going to have to remove this from it now. Now, see, if you do that from the app, it'll automatically remove it after you've checked in if you have that toggled on. Yes. And that's the, so that was the thing. I put it in as the 2013 edition because I got confused. Mm -hmm. So looking through, yeah, this, I think this, now that I know that this is 2011, I believe this qualifies as the oldest beer in the um, quote unquote sell. Oh, no. Well, yeah. I have a, I have a 2011 Saison from Goose Island that is probably not held up. I don't know why I still have that. But yeah, there's, I think so. Cause the next oldest is 2012. Mm -hmm. So. There you go. Now, I've got to know if anybody's tried this one. Oh, yes. Or or if I, they have a favorite of, of the, the Eclipse, Eclipse series. Yes. Because I I would be interested in maybe picking up another one of these, maybe a different vintage, a different wax, you know, a uh, different barrel. I saw a number of different barrels that were used for this particular series. So, so the, the whole variant thing is very interesting. I was talking to a friend, uh, my friend Matt, last night um, about it, and he had picked up at Smog City here in Los Angeles, they released Infinite Wishes, which is like their bourbon barrel-aged stout. And they did three variants, a coconut, vanilla, a mocha, and a French toast. Okay. And it's interesting because he was telling me about like the differences between the three and what he liked and didn't like. So when places do that thing where they take a base beer and then they expand upon it into a series, it's really interesting to hear about or to taste for yourself the differences between them because you know the base is the same and they just kind of alter it. Well, I mean, and that's the whole point of doing a vertical right? Yeah. where you try the 2010, 2011, 2012 and, and sort of compare them during a bottle share back to back. Uh, I've also never been a part of that. So I, I, I look forward to experiencing these these sort of like beer drinking uh milestones the staples of, a, of the beer culture it, absolutely um i i am almost regretful that i have not been able to do something like that before but uh but again like i do want to hear if you have had this one before uh what you thought please do let us know and i would say um you know let us know what you're drinking if you're not having this when you listen to the show, but based on some feedback in our Facebook group, the majority of people are not listening to the show during a time when they can drink. They're either in the car or at work, which okay. I thought was very entertaining. And I felt kind of felt kind of guilty. Yeah. Now, now I feel like we should really, really like compact this this segment, this whole segment down. Like, yeah, it's a beer. We're having it. We'll, we're talking about beer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you've had any of the Eclipse, you should definitely let us know what you thought of that. Uh, again, you can hit us up on Twitter. We are twitter.com slash untapped podcast or facebook.com slash drinking socially. And we are on Instagram at drinking socially. So please hit us up. Let us know suggestions on what we should try next styles. We need to hit up. Uh, you know where to find us. All right, let's take a look at some of the sponsored badges that we have added to Untapped recently. The first one we have up here is Blushing Monk is back from Founders Brewing. You can unlock this badge by checking into one Blushing Monk during the month of February. They say here that after four years, Blushing Monk has returned. Brewed with a ridiculous amount of raspberries for tart yet luscious raspberry jam character. Think of Blushing Monk as Rubius's older sibling, uh, Rubius being one of their other fruit beers with tons of raspberries. We've had a batch for that in the past, but it's more intense, slightly larger, and just a little bit more mature. I don't think my brother would agree, but yeah, no, I, I <laughs> this sounds really, really good. Um, I think it's available in four packs and on draft, so 
Find that during the month of February. Next up, we have a badge from Southern Tier. This is IPAs for days. And I feel like that's a, that's a good slogan for, for you and I. That's uh, We've done haze for, we've got a badge. Haze, haze for days. Is haze, that? Haze, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Haze for days. Mm-hmm. This badge can be unlocked by checking into any one eligible Southern Tier beer between February 6th and 28th. And those beers are the Southern Tier IPA, the 2X IPA, or the all new 3X IPA. They say here that Southern Tier Brewing Company is known for constantly perfecting the art of the IPA. And this year, they're bringing you the 3X IPA, a high-gravity, bitter, seasonal Imperial IPA. And it's only offered for a limited time. So if you want to go 1X, 2X, 3X, pick up all three. Now that's a vertical. Yeah, right? That's a one, two, three strikes you're out. Yes. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the entire ball game. <laughs> so you can unlock that badge by enjoying that brand new 3X IPA. So next up, we have another legend unfolds from New Holland Brewing. This is to check into one Dragon's Milk White from New Holland Brewing Company between February 8th and March 15th, which I believe is brand new to them. This, it is. Uh, this white, it's a white stout. Yes, right? yes. Uh, another legend unfolds and the launch of Dragon's Milk White has arrived. This full-flavored white stout brings notes of vanilla, cocoa, coffee roast, and oak to the table in a way that feels both familiar and yet completely unexpected. And you and I, we've talked about white and golden stouts and kind of that little bit of a mind trick that it plays on you. Yes, you can go back to episode 41 to go check that out. We did get dig into the history of the white stout, and this one sounds like a fantastic beer from New Holland. I know that the uh, their Dragon's Milk in general is really solid. I haven't had any of the variants or the reserve, but just the basic Dragon's Milk was really tasty. Last up, we actually have two badges coming to us from Long Trail Brewing. The first one is mix in a long trail. This is to check into one long trail lager between February 15th and March 15th. They say it is sparked by two years of small batch recipe development. Long trail lager is a clean, easy drinking craft lager with a crisp base accompanied by lemon and herbal hop aromas. That's I like that description. Me too. I believe they said that this is the first lager that they've put out, Mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome to hear. Uh, And we've, we've seen a lot of growth in that style, something that a lot of people kind of associated with you know fizzy yellow beer and is now kind of the craft world has taken it under its wing yeah i saw recently i guess what you would call a meme of sort of the evolution of man and beer styles above that and it had you know on the far left you know imperial ipas and then you know uh, you have the the homo erectus which is the sours and then on the far right-hand side where the person is, like, working on the computer, it's like, you know, modern man. It said lager again. <laughs> and it was just, it, it, you know, vi- like, kind of coming full circle in oh, the yeah. whole craft beer journey to, like, oh, back to lagers. Like, they're complex. They're craft. They're good. Everything, everything's cyclical. It all comes back eventually. Last up, we have All Souls Lager. This is also coming from Long Trail. You can unlock this badge by checking into an All Souls Lager between February 15th and March 15th. This beer is a Vermont collaboration. It's uh, brewed with locally grown hominy from their pals at All Souls Tortilleria. Very good. Yay. Uh, It's a crisp, toasty, and refreshing. This amber-hued lager is best enjoyed alongside with good friends and delicious food, which I think... I think most beers go well with good friends and delicious food, but <laughs> delicious you know, friends and good food. There we mm-hmm. go. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's take their word for it on this and uh, be sure to check out that one as well as all of the other badges that we have either available now or coming up in the next couple of days. And be sure to take a look at our blog, blog.untap.com. We'll usually post about these a couple of days before they're available. So for the full list, again, blog.untapped.com. 
Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store. Pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code PODCAST. At checkout, you'll get 20% off all orders. That's store.untapped.com, coupon code PODCAST to get 20% off. All right, let's take a look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. Our first article this week comes from VinePair.com. Inside the Arkansas microbrewery making beer in Al Capone's former digs. Hmm. Okay. Hopefully they're also not going to be charged with tax Rac- evasion. And racketeering. Racketeering, yeah. I think I think being that prohibition is not a thing anymore, <laughs> they should be okay. <laughs> should be all right. Should be. Mm. So the article says here, walking over the white penny tile floor at Superior Bathhouse, a microbrewery in Hot Springs, Arkansas, it's hard to imagine that, that the former hydro spa sat vacant and in despair from 1983 to 2013. But today, Superior Bathhouse has the distinction of being the first brewery located within a national park, the only one in the world to use thermal spring water to brew its beer. I mean, when you when it comes down to it, I mean, it's kind of... Like beer is its own sort of natural spring, right? You gives life. Yes. To, uh, you know, we're getting real deep. Yeah. No, I, I actually, I have, I'm, I have nowhere to go with this, but it does. That's very interesting. I would have thought that maybe you know, California, Yosemite, Yosemite. I, I'm from Northern California, so I say Yosemite. Within the national park, like it would. There's got to be one that's you would think before, somewhere, right? but apparently not. This is the first here. So the western slope of Hot Springs Mountain has 47 natural thermal springs that provide the city with approximately 1 million gallons of 143-degree water daily. The local specialty is so well-regarded that residents and visitors line up at hot and cold water fountains throughout the city, holding 25-gallon jugs to fill. So can you just throw hops in there and, and you know, just, like, make the mash in the spring? And then you end. Then that, just, so basically, just just boil inside of a hot spring. Yeah, that would be somebody's going to do it. Now. I mean, there's no boiling. Obviously, I mean, you got to get that a little bit warmer. That's true. Well, it's an interesting idea. I like it. <laughs> I like it. You know, and another funny thing though too is that Bill Clinton actually grew up here, and during his presidency, he had hot springs water shipped to Washington and made it the official water of the White House. <laughs> How wild is that? That's very wild. And it also turns out that the water is ideal for brewing beer. Okay. It's pretty neutral, so I can adjust the characteristics of the water according to the flavor profile of the beer I'm brewing, says Rose Schweikhart, owner of Superior Bathhouse Brewery. I wonder if they mean, like, pH neutral. I assume so. Like, pretty neutral being both flavor-wise and, like, mineral-wise and also pH-wise. You can kind of lean it one way or the other and that's exactly what it says here the thermal spring water is um high in bicarbonate and is not very chlorinated or florida fluoridated yeah there you go fluoridated Uh, it actually has a high ph and low acidity and it contains very few minerals that could potentially affect the taste of the beer okay so literally not neutral it has higher ph for water you know, right. Mm. More of what's hot right now is that alkaline water. Right. Mm, So that's true. It's kind of like on that that side of of things, uh, especially with bicarbonate in there. Yeah. The the more, you know, 
And in addition to that, the, you know, another huge bonus here is that the water is already hot coming out of the springs at 143 degrees. And they say here, the first step to brewing water is to, or brewing beer is to heat the water to 160 degrees. So starting out at the, with the water already at 143 degrees is actually a huge savings to their energy costs. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, except obviously you'll probably get to it, but they're not actually brewing in those hot springs. They're just piping it in. Piping the water in. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Schweikart actually learned how to brew beer while living in Illinois uh, and was considering opening a brewery there when her husband was offered a job in Hot Springs, uh, which is, again, in Arkansas. The place. Right. Yes. Not in the, you don't. He's not working in the water. <laughs> yes. Bunch of people in like an in suits, like typing Wait, on a computer in the hot welcome springs. Welcome to my office. There are complimentary towels. Uh, there are, yes. <laughs> uh, she immediately started planning something very different. Uh, she wanted to use the city's signature waters to brew beer. Schweikart contacted the National Park Service to find out if anyone had thought of opening a brewery in Hot Springs. And within days, she was touring the historic bathhouse that would go on to become her brewery. After a lengthy proposal process, which I can only imagine how much goes into that, especially yep. opening something inside a national park. Yep. Uh, they actually became the first person to open a brewery inside a national park and on federal property. Arkansas isn't really known for having lots of craft beer drinkers, she says. We have some beers that are flagship beers, the ones anyone can drink like Kolsch and Stout. They also have a hazy IPA, a Belgian style made with raisins, an Oktoberfest, and an Irish red, among others. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the town attracted Sybarites eager for hydrotherapy treatments, and in the 1920s, Al Capone arrived. Uh, residents in the remote woods that surrounded the town had working stills throughout Prohibition, which made it a perfect spot for him to come and do a little bit of that uh, that booze smuggling. Mm -hmm. Capone actually used the town's Mountain Valley spring water bottles to smuggle moonshine to his Chicago speakeasies. So, ah, okay. That's really interesting. The the, the whole Mountain Valley spring water. That's, that's the one that's available at Whole Foods and that you've seen. It's in those green bottles. Oh, is that? I get that at the coffee shop. Yeah, I didn't yeah, even yeah. realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No wonder it so tastes so good. Now, <laughs> it's just actually booze. Yeah, you just like, don't. You just don't know. It. <laughs> it's still secretly smuggling out the distilled liquor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So it's pretty cool. I mean, that's, it's you know, you're 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 opening a brewery in some place that Al Capone hung out, and you... this is a wealth of history as well for this particular brewery to draw upon for their beer names. They can do you know uh, Al Capone related ones. They can do prohibition related puns. Hot springs. They can do hot Park spring stuff. puns. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it just your, a, your a brain wealth. is going crazy. Oh, your pun, I'm, your pun all senses all over the place. My 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 spidey sense is tingling for sure. <laughs> Now, our next article, not necessarily beer related, but kind of in the same vein. And I thought it was really interesting. This is coming to us from Delish.com. Delish. Delish. It's Delish. Uh, Pepsi is launching the first ever nitro soda that's made like beer. M made like beer is probably a, a little bit of a bit of an overstatement. Yeah. Um, there is a video. So I'm going to I'm going to actually watch this video real quick. It is 16 seconds long. So feel free to uh, go to the show notes podcast.untap.com slash 50. Check out the video. It lasts about 16 seconds and then uh, and then come back. They have to do a little scrape off the top like a Stella. And then it turns it, it, it turns it shows into the, Pepsi the Pepsi logo. logo. It's, I mean, OK, it's good. Good commercial. Uh, nitro coffee, the hot, 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 hot item right now at your local Starbucks, I think has trying to catch the, <laughs> the, the, nitro, wave. the nitro wave a little bit. I, 
I think we've also seen cans of cold brew coffee mm-hmm. that, you know, you got to kind of shake up to to get that nitro to dissolve. And in you there. also get the nitro, like the nitro, um, like nitro milk stout or milk stout nitro from the, left hand. There's also to, there's also nitro talkies. Yeah, where you flip it over and pour it really hard. Yeah. Pour hard. Yeah. And it's and it's just very spicy. Yeah. Well, so Pepsi has confirmed to Delish here that uh, the development of a nitro Pepsi is real. The drink, which has no clear debut date, features a velvety cascading foam, which, I mean, you'd expect if, you, if you've ever seen a beer poured in nitro, especially a stout on nitro, you get that really cool, like, cascading, like, foam effect inside. It is very cool. It's really neat. And it says it will come in two flavors, signature cola and vanilla. Which, if you're talking about Pepsi, is just bad and bad. So that's, that's all right. Man. <laughs> now, vanilla Pepsi, not so much. Signature Pepsi... I could get on board with. I'm I'm just I'm a Coca Cola guy. You and my so, wife. Yeah. You and my wife are both Coca Cola fans. She converted yeah. me, but I grew up with Pepsi in the house. So I can't just can't. Uh, it's it's like it's I like, really have to get into the soda debate here. Dr Pepper will always be my go to. Oh no, absolutely. That's fine. I mean, that's I'll never I'll never disagree with that. Um, but I think it, it's very divisive, right? It's it's one of those things where you're like you either are a Pepsi person or you're a Coke person. You just you you you, you can't really straddle that line very well. But when it comes to them being the first cola brand, let's just say in general, right? There's also like Shasta. You ever had Shasta? Yeah. Okay. That's the the, the cheaper. The, yeah. Uh, when it comes to like a cola brand putting something like this out, if Pepsi is first to that that market, uh. I don't know. Like, well, do you do you convert? Maybe. They're calling it the first ever nitrogen-infused soft drink per their press release. There have been plenty of nitro cold brews and beers uh, to market over the past few years, but Cola reportedly had, hadn't seen the same infusion technique until now. I think it's going to be a little counterintuitive, especially when it comes to, like, you don't want to shake up that can of <laughs> of cola at all because the the CO2 will come out of solution and make that can explode usually but for nitro like you you have to you have to you have to get those nitro bubbles going and when you pour it pour hard like you said uh it is the, that's the thing that that gives you that nice tight bubble cascading foam um i'm really interested to know I mean, this is like probably way more complex than they're looking, but like, how does it enhance the sort of like cola e flavors? Well, there's actually kind of a quote in here that gives you a little bit towards what you're you're asking. Uh, Pepsi's VP of marketing, Todd Kaplan, says here that uh, cola has been the same for 125 years as a category. And yeah, there's been changes in flavor and packaging, things of that sort. But the idea of carbonation has never really come off uh, of it because it's so uh, identifiable with soda. That's what I crave. For sure, it's what I crave. This is the whole reason why my fridge at home right now is stocked full of sparkling, bubbly water. Because I'm looking for that carbonated flavor. Yeah, and they say, as we started getting into this process with putting nitrogen in, nitrogen Pepsi came about. It's undeniably Pepsi, but it's not soda. I believe I read uh, somewhere that it's kind of got this sort of like, the vanilla one definitely has more of like a, like a soda float sort of feel like imagine, you know, when you make a root beer float and the ice cream kind of melts in a little bit and it gets that little creamier. See, now I'm not a fan of the whole like ice cream melted into the soda thing either. 
But I love a good Italian soda when you got kind of like that the 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 cream as well with the strawberry and stuff like that. That's very very good. But and, and, and like the foam that comes off of an a like root beer float with vanilla ice cream in there is just so reminiscent of the days where when you would go to the beach and they're like, no no no, sorry, toxic sludge. Uh, spill at the beach it is a bunch of human waste that has gone out into the ocean and you cannot swim in it it is so reminiscent of that look and that sort of like foam i just can't with it if if they weren't ruined before you just ruined everything i I thoroughly apologize no that's fine uh, nitro Uh, bring it on pepsi yeah if Um, i see this around maybe we'll we'll try it out can we maybe we'll stack it up against a nitro beer that's it and and maybe a cold brew just sort of like eh. here's a nitro episode another vertical yeah cola coffee beer we'll just go back to back and see how see how it tastes that would be interesting our last article for this week comes from the takeout.com austin brewery's new beer has had it up to here with electric scooters I'm, i'm raising my hand as high as it'll go right now because that's me Burbank, which is where I live right now, thankfully has banned them for the moment. Yeah. You can't get if people bring them on the Metrolink or I don't know, ride them on the bus, then they'll end up there. But otherwise, they are totally banned, which going back to our Santa Monica days, like that's where it all started. And it is madness. I know you're like you are neck deep in this world. You were at one point, at least as as a charger. But what what do you what do you think? I think that it's uh so if to to clarify when so bird scooters were the first ones to really hit the market and they just kind of went super rambo on everyone and just dropped their scooters everywhere they could without compliance. Like I feel like talking about scooters stirs up more people than talking about politics at this point. <laughs> I feel like if you want to if yes. you want to start some crap, bring up scooters. Yep. And you're good to go. Well, um, and, but, but the other thing is, it's like, you know, well, if you bring it up and you say that you don't like it, like you're just not for disruption. Like you're you don't understand yeah. the, well, like actual mar- marketing and guerrilla marketing and stuff <laughs> like that. Right. Yeah. So in the early days, I, I did charging for a few months um, of the scooters just for fun, just to make some extra like side hustle. Um, and I joined a few groups on Facebook and just went really deep into like reading about them and learning about it. Um, and I really I was I was a big proponent. I thought it was great. Um I think it's just it. There are so many people who like to ruin everything for everyone. Well, and as it says here in the article, the greener alternative to cars. Yeah. It, I mean, there are obvious benefits to the idea of electricity being the thing that gets you that quote unquote last mile. Right. That that takes you from your Uber ride to wherever you're going next. If you're doing some sort of like place to place sort of thing, picking up groceries, whatever. That was it, for it me. Like be, it was it, it made it made getting to the train stop from my apartment a little, little faster, a little more fun. They say here, yeah, it's, it's. So they say here that they, they provide a transportation option for those distances that are just too long to walk, which I, I can completely agree with. And hey, they're kind of fun, right? I mean, I thought they were fun. Honestly, I could walk it, but it was just, it's more fun to just like scoot along, <laughs> just like do, 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 you know. They did, but to your point earlier, they're getting a bad. It's, rap. it's oversaturated. Yeah. There's like eight companies doing it. There's a like Jump and Lyft, which is Uber and Lyft. Their scooters, they've actually pretty much taken over my entire neighborhood, mm-hmm. and I don't see Lime or Bird hardly as often there. But, um. So, yeah, they say here in the article that not everyone in Austin agrees, including High Sign Brewing, creators of the new beer, No Scooters Double IPA. 
If you visited Austin in the past year or so, you've likely noticed the Bird or Lime electric scooters around town. Customers can rent them via smartphone app, then ditch them when their trips are complete, which, I mean, I love that concept because it's really it's really great for, um, you know, the sharing and just the availability and not having to... My, my complete distaste for, like, the Metro bike idea is that you have to take it back to a dock, which doesn't get you exactly where you need to go, so there's still a little bit of frustration. But there are people who just have no manners whatsoever and just ditch them in your front yard or just pile them up in the yeah so i I get it i see both sides but anyway and as they say the because there's no need to return the dockless uh, scooters to any sort of designated area they sometimes end up in public areas and private property headlines about the scooters launch were ominous a flock of electric scooters suddenly descend on austin and austin's electric scooters scooter injuries count comes in higher than expected um you know a lot of this sort of like fear in this but uh, High Sign's beer isn't railing against the scooters. The brewery says just poking a little fun at them with the label depicting a stick figure riding a scooter and a big red no sign over it. Just imagine a big circle with a line through it over a stick figure I, scooter I, guy. You know, I, that's probably because High Sign realizes like this is probably one of the main ways that people are getting out to the brewery, let's <laughs> say, from their house or from a bus stop or I, whatever. I see a line of scooters outside the local sports bar. Yeah, it makes sense, at least getting there, getting on that scooter once you're done at that bar is an absolute no, no there. It's that is bad news bear. So I understand like, man, there's just got to be a pile out front of that brewery. So high sign owner Mark Philippe uh, told KVUE every label that we can come up with. We try to make something that's relevant and relevant to the beer and relevant to the city that we brew in. Sometimes the scooters are dangerous, and sometimes they're a great mode of transportation. I would like to see less scooters on my front lawn at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll tell you that. Now, some reactions, uh, comments on the brewery's Instagram are mixed, with some people in favor of of the anti-scooter message saying, LOL, I don't like IPAs, but I hate the scooters so bad, totally drink this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> While others defend them, Lime, Bikes, Lime Bike itself actually chimed in via a comment, weird flex, but okay. We love a craft beer, though. Don't drink and drive or scoot. Oh, and support local breweries. Now, okay. Yeah, all in good fun. I mean, I it definitely is a lot of work for whatever social media person is working the Lime Bike here. But agreed. I'm glad at least, like, they're doing a little bit of responsible uh, messaging around, like, Hey, you know, yes, great way to get out to the brewery. Do not drink and, and scoot, if you would. Yep. Um, so, yeah, kind of all in good fun. But this is going to be a topic, I think, that continues to come up and is not going to be strictly an Austin thing. Um, it's going to be Denver when we were out at GMBF. Yeah, that's the first time I saw the Lyft scooters. Tons of scooters out there. Oh, Obviously, yeah. Denver and Colorado is one of those places where there's lots and lots of breweries, lots of places to go to. Um, and it becomes sort of that like last mile thing again, like I said, that will get you to where you want to go and kind of like start your craft beer journey, right? And, and Lyft, out, at least out in Denver, kind of has the right idea where you start out with the scooter. Then you call your Lyft car and you go to another brewery. It's a, <laughs> it's a pretty pretty good situation to be in. I yeah, think. it's a nice nice safe process yeah. there. Yeah. Speaking of scooters, it's time to scoot on out of here. And you can scoot on over to the show notes that are available at podcast.untap.com slash 55. Zero. Uh, Tim, thank you for sharing this wonderful beer. We still have 
quite a bit to go through. Yeah, there's about half a bottle. This left. is not one of those episodes where we crack open two beers, you know, one halfway through the show and, and try to uh, make people feel, I guess, a little bit more jealous uh, that we're having another beer. I don't mean to really alienate listeners like that, but uh, we would love to hear what you think about the show, especially being 50 episodes in now. You can send that over to us uh, either on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And if you want to hop in, we also have a Facebook group that we've established. Uh, it is, uh, you do need to be approved to join, but you can head over to um, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash drinking social. It should be linked up there. Um, we'll also have a link in the show notes, so you can head right directly to it and uh, pop in and you know just join the conversation. People showing what they're drinking, what they've enjoyed, asking questions about the show. So it's really cool to see everyone active in there and just to be able to um, directly connect with everyone and, and just have their own little community. Now this beer though, this is it's warmed, it's mellowed, it's it's the sweetness has come out. This is I'm this is really awesome and a great way to uh, great way to celebrate fifty episodes. Yeah, and until next week. Cheers. cheers.